This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The anti-military left used to quip, what if they gave a war and nobody came? Now that they are in charge of the U.S. government, we may be about to find out. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says all active duty personnel must be vaccinated against COVID-19, a murderous disease from a Chinese bio-warfare laboratory. It remains to be seen how many in our all-volunteer armed forces decide to quit rather than take an experimental gene therapy they have thus far declined to inject in their bodies. But anecdotal evidence suggests there will be some particularly among the relatively small number of actual warriors, as opposed to the many who support them. Weakening our defenses invites possibly otherwise deterrable wars, with the people who brought us the Chinese Communist Party virus boiling to do still more damage. That's an experiment we must avoid. This is Frank Gaffney. Now more with Frank Gaffney. Welcome back. And I am honored and really delighted to say a special welcome to a great friend and one of my most admired colleagues. His name is Lieutenant General William Jerry Boykin, United States Army, retired. One of our most decorated and accomplished special operators, um, a man whose self-effacing affect would never signal that he is Truly, one of the great warriors our country has ever produced. We owe him a great debt, and it will never be properly acknowledged, let alone paid, I'm afraid. But we're privileged to have him here to talk with us about um, insights that he has garnered over his decades of service in the Army and also in the intelligence community. In fact, um, he had several stints uh, working with and at the Central Intelligence Agency. He was in his last official capacity, the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. He has uh, gone on to become the Executive Vice President of a wonderful organization in Washington, the Family Research Council. He is an ordained minister and an author, just an extraordinary human being, and we're always privileged to have him with us virtually. General Boykin, it's good to have you back. Thank you for joining us. It's always good to be with you, Frank, and uh, thanks thanks for what you're doing for this country. Thank you, sir. Let me ask you about somebody who's doing some things that I think are quite harmful to our country. Um, This is a matter, to some extent, of speculation, but I think informed by intelligence tradecraft, as one of our colleagues, Sam Faddis, has pointed out. I'm talking about Representative Eric Swalwell, a man who serves on the House Intelligence Committee. In fact, he chairs its Intelligence Modernization and Readiness Subcommittee. And having spent as much time in and around and working with, and sometimes I'm sure butting heads with the uh, intelligence community, Jerry, I would be very interested in your take on the risks associated with having a man who has acknowledged being compromised by a Chinese spy still in a position to have access to the kind of information that is uh, available to members of that very sensitive committee in the House of Representatives. Yeah, let's start with uh, the level of clearance that a guy like uh, Eric Swalwell has. Uh, It it is important for Americans to understand that uh, they, uh, by virtue of the level of clearance that they have, they literally have the lives of Americans in their hands. And that is because some of those programs are so sensitive. They're code word. They call them code word. They're so sensitive because there are people associated with them that uh, are literally dependent upon 
the secrecy that these uh, members of Congress and others are supposed to provide, uh, they're dependent upon them for their very life because you have sources and methods that are being protected by the supposedly by the people that have these clearances. They know about them so they can help them. They can help fund them. But the people that are out there in the field that are depending upon people keeping this a secret and not saying anything and not compromising that to a a Chinese spy or a Russian spy or anybody else, uh, their lives are at stake. And there is case after case over the last uh, 50 or 60 years of people that have died as a result of being compromised. Uh, just exactly through the so same mechanism that uh, has now compromised Eric Swalwell, and he still has a clearance, and he is still on the committee. And I find this, uh, first of all, objectionable, but I also find it appalling that uh, the leadership has not had the courage to remove this man from there because he is compromised and it's not going to get any better. Do you think, as Sam Faddis contends, General Boykin, knowing intelligence tradecraft as you do, that it's a reasonable bet that the Chinese are still running Eric Swalwell? Of course. They got him right where they want him now. Right now, he is more valuable to them than he was before it was revealed that he had been compromised by this uh, relationship with this uh, Chinese woman. He's more valuable right now. And they can deal with him in covert, discreet ways to continue to obtain information from him, presumably. And, And even if there's a chance of this, I think the point is that we shouldn't be taking this kind of risk, especially, as you say, with people's lives and, and also, by the way, as you know, General, highly sensitive programs whose character and capabilities may be decisive to the safety of the rest of us. And if compromised, we would lose, you know, perhaps billions of dollars of investment as well as uh, vital, you know, uh, national security assets and capabilities. No? Yeah, there's no question about that. But do keep in mind, he is more valuable to them now because the leadership has already demonstrated they're not going to do anything to it. Just think about that. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to remove him. They're going to let him keep his clearance and continue in the programs that he's been working in. Therefore, They've demonstrated they won't deal with him. Therefore, he is more valuable now than before. He can operate uh, with impunity, theoretically. exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, Jerry, one of the reasons uh, we talked with Trevor Loudon, another of our very distinguished colleagues yesterday about this, that he's not getting held to account by the leadership in the House, specifically Nancy Pelosi, is she herself is quite possibly deeply compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, given the fact that most of the San Francisco Democratic political machine has been. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, just stop and think about this. If, uh, for example, uh, you are on the uh, Intelligence Committee in any capacity, and you are aware that we have uh, infiltrated government X, and that we have a person in the, the government there that is providing us with information. You don't even need to know the name. What's important is that we've penetrated that government, and now they go on their counterintelligence uh, witch hunt and and seek out that person, and ultimately they find that person because they run a counterintelligence 
operation to find out who is in that government, just by virtue of the fact that they know that we have somebody there. Well, that kind of information is leaked in situations like we have here with Swalwell and a Chinese female Chinese spy. That's how that stuff is leaked. It's not. It's not. You don't even have to know the name. It's just the fact that you know that that your government is compromised. Now you go on a an operation, a counterintelligence operation, to find out who that is, and you will. You will find out who it is. It's only a matter of time. Worst, worst case, that person is subjected to some pretty horrific treatment and ultimately execution. Uh, and from their point of view, perhaps the best case is that they are flipped. They begin working for the other party, whomever that may be, right? Um, which brings me, Jerry, to the, the larger question. Um, as, a, as a guy with a lot of time in both service in uniform, but also in the intelligence world, what is the state of our counterintelligence capabilities? I mean, you talk about other people's counterintelligence operations. I would think that what's going on with Swalwell, to say nothing, the fact that uh, large numbers of people, by the way, this is documented at accountabilityinitiative.org to a fairly well, from the president on down, a large number of people in this administration have been compromised by the Chinese Communist Party as well. Do we have a counterintelligence program worth a darn that is working to counter the possible risks associated with such compromises? Well, we're supposed to have. We're supposed to have a counterintelligence executive that uh, works out of the White House. It's uh, it's an appointee, and uh, the Bush administration appointed uh, a, a lady that was very good at what she did, and, and uh, yeah, Michelle Van Cleve. And, and we are supposed to have that kind of capability, and it's supposed to be active. But when you go back just to the Trump administration, and you look at all the leaks that came out uh, of the, uh, really out of Adam Schiff and, and, and others like him, all of the information that was leaked there, well, that's, that's a counterintelligence problem. Now, if we don't stop members of Congress, if we don't hold members of Congress accountable, how in the heck are you going to hold members of the military or members of the intel community accountable if you won't hold Congress accountable, and Congress is the worst leakers, I think, in America. Well, and it's a little known fact, Jerry, you of course know it, but uh, the truth of the matter is members of Congress don't get clearances. They don't get, technically, um, background investigations. The simple fact that they are elected constitutes a basis upon which they are given access to uh, sensitive secrets, especially in the intelligence space. Uh, this is really something that I think ought to be revisited. I can't imagine them agreeing to do that, but uh, it, it is crazy, especially given the numbers of people, as Trevor Loudon has pointed out, who have very problematic backgrounds, um, uh, radical leftist or uh, Islamist or some combination of the two uh, tendencies. Yeah, that's right. And and what do you and I go through in order to get a clearance and to hold that clearance uh, with the periodic updates? Well, they go talk to your neighbors. They go talk to references that you list. They talk to other people. And it's it's a serious process. Uh, and they, in some cases, lie detectors, plus, right? Yeah, exactly. And I certainly, when I was at the CIA, you know, the first week I was there, I had to take a polygraph test. And then you have to take a 
periodic update on that polygraph, uh, particularly when you're in the field and you're, uh, you know, you're running agents and that type of thing. You, you, you take a periodic polygraph. And, uh, and, and these people in the Congress don't have to do any of that stuff. And they, again, as you said, by just by virtue of being elected, they get a, they get a, uh, clearance. And if you look at, for example, even, even Barack Obama, you know, you there's a big question as to whether he would have been able to get a clearance based on some of the insurgents that he was known to be cavorting. Bill Ayers among them, exactly. Yeah, terrorists, exactly. And Jerry, and, this uh, this is this is really so critical to this question about do we have a counterintelligence capability worth a darn? And I fear that the answer is well. It, may exist in principle, in practice, it is sorely wanting. And we're finding ourselves, I think, um, very much confronted with the reality that people in the executive branch, as well as in the legislative branch, are uh, potential risks to the national security of the United States. Let, let me turn, though, if I could, in the remaining time we have with you, General, to um, the institution in which you served for so long, uh, the United States military. Um, how would you characterize the state of the military of the United States at the moment. And I'm talking not just about, you know, its uh, capabilities, its readiness, but its its morale and uh, the retention of the kind of people we need, warriors like yourself. Yeah, the morale is low, and uh, it's a variety of things, not the least of which is just uh, wasting their uh, precious time with uh, things like this critical race theory. And, uh, you know, what you need in, in – uh, a combat unit is cohesion, and uh, critical race theory is uh, doing just the opposite. Critical race theory is actually bringing division uh, among those troops, and and they are they recognize it for what it is. They recognize it as being purely a political thing, and uh, they're getting fed up with it. The morale is low, and they're leaving the military. And I can begin to tell you how many people have contacted me either by phone or one way or the other. And told me that they were getting out of the army. Uh, they were leaving. They just uh, they didn't feel like uh, taking this anymore. And the the recruiting is offering it right now too, because moms and dads across uh, America don't want their sons and daughters to come into a military that's is doing this nonsense. They're they're fighting it in the public schools, and 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 now you know they can't even get away from it when they get out of the public schools and go into the military. They, they they're still subject to this. And the moms and dads are just discouraging them from joining the military. So I think that we're we're going through a very rough period right now, particularly when you look at uh, at what our opponents are doing. You look at how our China is growing; their navy is bigger than ours, and you and you look at just the uh, advances that they have made just in the last five or ten years, and you have to say, what are we doing? It, it's going to take strong leadership to come in behind Joe Biden and restore our military if we expect to be able to defend this nation. And right now, I don't think that's a priority for this administration. I don't think so either. In fact, I'm, I'm given to calling it a wrecking operation because it seems that uh, the military, among other institutions, are very much in the crosshairs of people determined to take us down. 
um, even people who are officials in our own government. Bill, uh, let me just ask you one related point, if I may, General. Um, I've done a commentary for today on the issue of um, this vaccine requirement um, for COVID-19. In the military, of course, you took a lot of vaccinations over the years, I know, as have your colleagues. Uh, But is there a risk that given what you've just said about the morale and about the um, degree to which people are fed up with how they're being treated, uh, with what I think of as sort of racist training, not just CRT, but racist training, um, and and other you know pressures on them, that this might be a further inducement to people to leave the service rather than stay and in- you know I took all those shots because I trusted the leadership. They do not trust the leadership today. It it, it does not take a rocket scientist to see that some of the decisions that are being made and the way some of our senior leaders in the military are acting and the things they're focused on, uh, you cannot trust them. And, and you know, the soldiers don't trust them. That's just a plain and simple fact. They don't trust them. And that is why forcing them to take, uh, take these shots and all, when they don't trust the leadership of our military today, uh, is just further going to alienate not only people that are leaving the military, but going to alienate America, the American public as a whole. When uh, Johnny and Janie are starting to get out of the military and saying, I just couldn't handle what we were being subjected to. It was not about war fighting or winning wars. It was all about these social experiments. Well, and that's what, again, worries me so much about sort of taking down the military as an institution. Uh, you've you've served in it and, and known how it has been revered um, for now decades, at least since Vietnam, uh, as an institution. And uh, this can only serve to alienate people from it and uh, and I'm afraid further embolden our enemies to believe that we're not strong enough or resolute enough to uh, defeat them if they decide to act aggressively against us. And God help us if that's the case. General Boykin, thank you for your leadership, uh, both that in uniform in the past and that you're, presi- that you're providing these days at the Family Research Council. God bless you, my friend. Come back to us again soon, if you would. Next up, we'll speak with another retired, very distinguished officer, uh, enlisted officer in this case, Command Sergeant Major of the United States Army, Michael Maybe about the grid and what it might mean for you if it's not resilient. That and more straight ahead.